This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Very lucky to be joined on Football CFB today by by David Lee. David played for Chelsea for over a decade and he's someone who I've been really excited to get on the show. Former guest Tommy Johnson was was delighted when I told him that, that David was coming on the show. As well as playing for Chelsea, he's also played for the England under-21s 10 times. He's been involved in football with coaching and scouting, notably at Arsenal as well. First of all, David, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, I've just recovered from a major operation, which I had recently. Uh, but yeah, I'm all good now and I'm just uh, ready to go back to work. Absolutely. And, and fingers crossed that can can be very soon. I mentioned yep. in the intro that you've been involved in scouting uh, for the majority of the last five years or so. What's that like on a daily basis? Is it a case of watching as many games in person as you possibly can, or is it trying to mix that with the platforms that like Scout and others, where you can you can watch players at home? Uh, fortunately, I was involved with Arsenal the last five years, and I got to watch a lot of games live rather than do anything live on the videos. Um, my weekly work, my weekly sort of menu as such would be. Saturday, Sunday, I'd be at games. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'd be at games. And then probably on a Thursday or Friday would probably be the days where I catch up on my reports, you know, ring people, do all that kind of admin stuff that, you, you know, you don't like doing sort of thing. But generally, I was very fortunate. Uh, I used to go abroad a lot for Arsenal. I used to go and watch a lot of the international players. Um, but generally, I would go to games four or five times a week, live games, either close to where I live or travel to London or Liverpool or wherever, really. I'm one of these that I'm not bothered where I go to watch a game. If, if, I get, if I want me to watch a player, then I'll go anywhere. And um, it was a fantastic experience over, over the last five years working for a club at Arsenal. It didn't end well. Uh, left a real bit of taste in my mouth the way it happened. Just got called in for a meeting one morning and there was HR at the club and they said, you know, we're restructuring. You won't be part of it. And then kind of got led away from the training ground like I was a villain, wasn't allowed to speak to anyone, wasn't allowed to do it. And it just, you know, and growing up, although I played for the team in West London, not North London, Arsenal to me was always a class club. Um, Don Au, I had the pleasure of working under Don, who was at Arsenal many years and was very well respected again. Used to tell us stories about Arsenal and we always used to think, oh, that's a class club, etc. But the way I was treated when I left, and not only me, people there longer than me, people there who played for the club, it just left a real, you know, bad taste in my mouth. And I just hope that, you know, the next employers will treat me a little bit better. Fingers crossed, and, and I'm sorry to hear that. In terms of scouting, is that something that... No, 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 it's fine. In terms of scouting, yeah. is that something that you want to get back into, or is there a burning desire to return to coaching? Um, I think scouting is probably where I am at the moment. Uh, fortunately, I've, I've, I've still been involved in football since I finished playing. 
you know, I've had various roles like youth in reserve team manager at Swindon under under Dennis Wise and Gus Poirier. I was development coach at Bristol City under Gary Johnson. And then um, when Steve Koppel came in, he offered me the um, chief scout role, which I, I did for a year. Unfortunately, Steve left after three games. And then after 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 that, I, I did a bit of scouting for Stoke. And then I joined England, the FA, and did that. And then Arsenal. So, yeah, I, I see my future being in scouting. Uh, I've, I've, I've turned a couple of roles down recently, coaching, which I didn't feel were were right for what I wanted to do. So I'm just, uh, I've also turned a couple of scouting roles down recently. Um, they weren't, just weren't right for me. So I'm looking for the right the right job to get back into scouting. But the answer to your question is yes, I would see myself in the scouting role in the next however many years. Very interesting. And as I say, fingers crossed, it can, it can be coming your way very soon. To, to rewind to your playing career, how did you first get into football yeah. and when was your first professional contract? Because I always think as a young kid, you dream of being a player, but when you get into a club for the first time and then you sign on that dotted line, it must be a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, how I got into football, well, I my brother is 18 months older than me and I always, you know, as a, as a little one, you know, kicking a football around and that. And then when I was about seven, I think he started he started playing for an under eleven team and I played with him as well. So I was playing I always played up. I'm six three and a half in height and people just assume I was always tall, but I wasn't. I was about five nine when I left school and sort of grew in them sort of sixteen to nineteen years. But so I played for a local team uh, where I live uh, from the age of seven. I played four years in the under elevens right through and then I then played in under 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s and 16s, which nowadays you can't do because of the academies and the rules and the law and all that. But I played on a Saturday and a Sunday. Sometimes I played school Saturday morning, team on a Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon because I'd always play my brother's team as well. My own age group and then played up a, up a couple of years. And then at the age of sort of 12 and 13, I started getting a lot of attention from clubs um, wanted to go on trial. I went to went to Man United. I went to Chelsea, Forest. Could have gone to Leeds, Villa, Portsmouth. You know, all the sort of clubs who are in the area were were always asking my dad to go. And and back then, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the rules were you couldn't sign for a club until you were 14 on the old schoolboy forms. So on my 14th birthday, I I signed for Chelsea. But rewinding back to sort of a year before that, I went up to Chelsea at the age of 13. There was a scout, uh, a guy called Roger Quinton, who lived not far from me, he used to watch all our games and then invited me up. And I went up uh, every half term, every summer holiday, sometimes at weekends to play games. And at 14, they offered me schoolboy forums, as did a lot of other clubs. Um, and I decided at the time when Chelsea had a few youngsters, a few homegrown players playing in the first team, that I would, I would sign for Chelsea. And, and that's what I did. I signed for them at 14. And then from 14 to 16, I used to go up in all the holidays and, and, and train and, and play games. And then as I got a little bit older, sort of under 15s, under 16s, I'd go up on weekends, stay over, or dad would take me up and, and play games. And then when I got to under 16, I was playing in the youth team then a lot more um, and, and going up a lot more and sort of missing a little bit of school and, playing on a Tuesday night, which wasn't always easy with the headmaster at my school. He would frown upon it rather than think, oh, yeah, you know, local boys doing well, going to Chelsea, 
kind of not really in a couple of occasions my dad just had to sort of say well you need to go sick because you, you know you're playing and that's it sort of thing you know and you know you never get a, a better opportunity so I would you know with dad's permission I would I would leave school you know on a lunchtime and drive up to London with dad we'd play a game and come back and then sort of set my exams but I kind of knew from well I didn't know officially but I kind of knew from about 15 that I probably was going to get taken on at Chelsea but I didn't officially get a letter until uh, the April of the year I was leaving school and it, once I got that letter school kind of took a back seat you know although I did my exams and got maths and English O level which you know you can tell how old I am having O levels um, I kind of not sort of forgot it but kind of wasn't that bothered about school which when I look back I probably should have done because you know, I'd say I was quite an educated guy and, you know, quite clever, but didn't really, you know, push myself. But when you get told you're going to join Chelsea at the age of 16, you know, for an apprenticeship, then, you know, everything else takes a back seat, really. Chelsea uh, were a massive club when you signed for them. They, they weren't the sort of worldwide club that they are now um, since the Abramovich takeover. But as I say, they were still a massive club. You think of the success they had, particularly in cup competitions um, as well. What were your first impressions of Chelsea when you were in at that period in Stamford Bridge? Because things have changed since then, as we know. Yeah, it was very different, the, the bridge now. In, uh, but I kind of, you know, coming from Bristol, sort of smaller place than London, uh, and, and sort of living on the outskirts of Bristol, you know, in a little village sort of thing. Going up to London was a massive eye-opener. But I loved it, you know. I loved every. What I liked about it more than anything is as soon as I walked through the door of the training ground or the ground, people would greet you, people would make you feel welcome. You know, I remember one of the first training sessions I had at, at the age of, this was before I signed up, so I was probably 13 and, and, and was at the training ground and there was a handful of first team people there, myself and a few other trialists and, and a few other lads that were sort of in on the, the school of excellence, they called it. And we were training with the sort of first team in, got introduced to like a few of these guys and I had to ask one guy I said sorry um what's your name and it, it was Kerry Dixon and it was like you know wow this guy who you know I'd heard of but obviously never seen we didn't have the games on the telly back in the day where right? we couldn't watch it and Chelsea were in the old second division so they weren't really on match of the day and it was just bizarre and I sort of roomed with Kerry later on in my career and reminded him of the story and he says he didn't he didn't remember it but I beg to differ you know, you're probably thinking that everyone should know him, but we got we had a laugh about it at the time. But I just felt that they were they couldn't do enough for me. Uh, they assured my parents that they would look after me at the age of 14 to 16, and then when I signed apprenticeship at 16, you know, I lived with a with a host family, and I, I moved on to another host family, which was absolutely magnificent, and still keeping in contact with the family because they had three boys and, and a daughter, and you know, they were just like you know my second family because it was quite tough. It, at times when I first moved home, you know, this real West Country twang, living in London, getting the, you know, the mick taken out of me for my accent and, you know, where you come from and that. But it's all part of growing up and, and, and the ground was just, you know, I don't know how far you go back, but they had the old speedway there and the greyhounds. So around the pitch, there was, you know, gravel and behind the goals, we used to train behind the goals sometimes. There was a big area where of grass and, we used to run around there, but when we, when I became an apprentice full time, we we did all the jobs. Like we had to clean all the seats, we had to weed the terraces, we had to paint, we had to do everything. You know, clear the snow off, and 
nowadays they you know you tell young kids what you did and they look at you as if like you've got two heads i mean but for me and and you you speak to a lot of people especially in my two years of apprenticeship the best two years of their life we had a lot of scottish lads came down we had a lot of irish lads came over we had out of i think nearly 20 of us over the two years we probably only had about three or four english lads and we got battered a lot by the scots and the irish you know they all sort of team up and that but best education i was given personally was them two years in apprenticeship doing the kit cleaning the boots you know cleaning the toilets cleaning the bathrooms it was magnificent and, and i i genuinely believe they should go back to that they won't because you know everything's gone crazy with the pc world today but I think it, it makes you grow up. You know, you can become a man very quickly. Nowadays, they've got everything going for them. And I think that's a, a lot of the reasons why some of the youngsters think they've made it before they actually have. In terms of um, players that you came through with, I've got to ask you about Jason Cundy. He was an apprentice with you. What was Jason yeah. like back then? Because we're all aware of him on radio and he's got a very big personality. Is that the way he's always been? Or was he shy back then? I wouldn't say he's ever been shy. Uh, I met Jason when I was 13 and we used to play on a Sunday and there's two weeks between me and him, you know, two weeks difference in, in, in our age and um, spoke to him the other day. Um, he rang me to see how I was. He's always been, you know, life and soul as an apprentice, you know, was always up to jokes and pranks and we've got the same sense of humour. Sometimes it people call it sick, but it's, you know, it's just, we love, you know, having a prank and, and sort of things, but yeah, he's always been he's always been sort of life and soul of the party. Um, great guy, uh, and you know, and now when I listen to him on the radio, I just think, you know, yeah, I remember some of the things we used to get up to and that. And if only you could tell the listeners some of the stories, you know. But he's always had that sort of aura about him, where you know, gets on with everyone and talks to people, you know, the way he should. And just you know, like I say, we we grew up together. I made the first team before he did, but then he came in. We played together quite a lot before he got sold. So, you know, we've always been mates and we always will be. Another one I've got to ask you about, you mentioned Scottish players coming down. I was lucky to, to interview Craig Burley a few months ago <laughs> and Craig spoke about the importance of having a host family as well and how that it meant a lot to him at the time and he kept in touch with the host family um, for many years after afterwards until um, some of them sadly passed away. Just, just yeah, what was that. Craig like? Craig was very quiet when he first came and then once he got, you know, familiar, because I think he was a little bit, I think he was two years younger than me, I think, but I think obviously in Scotland, they can leave school at the Christmas, which makes it different. And they can, you know, we, in England, we leave in the summer and he came down and I think he was probably only about 15, 15 and a half at the time when he came down. And like I say, he was very, but great lad. I mean, again, someone who I got on really, really well with very very sharp with his tongue um he's one of them if if he thought he had to say something he'd say it and if he upset you he couldn't care less but in a nice way you know don't get me wrong and and you know i've noticed that with his with his punditry and that if he's got something to say he'll say it but as a person as a, as a mate you know again i still keep in contact you know i know he's in america now but um we used to play a lot of golf together and we were both injured at one point and on a Friday, we used to go and have a couple of pints just to sort of, you know, get away from that sort of intensity of, of a long-term injury and just, you know, the pressure of trying to get fit and all that. And, and you know, if you have a night out with Burley, you'll have a good night out, put it that way. He's, <laughs> he's a top lad. He really is. And, uh, 
you know, it's a shame he's gone to America because I don't see him as much, but, you know, he is a great lad. And, you know, when so we had some great nights when, when he moved to Celtic, I used to go up and see him and, you know, he, he was just, he hasn't changed, you know, he, he's this humble guy who would come down very, very polite, very respectful. And, and he still is, you know, in my opinion. And in terms of um, coming through the system, we've talked about Burley, we've talked about Cundy and yourself. Yeah. What was Bobby yeah. Campbell like as a manager for you guys coming through? Did he make it clear to you that if you performed well and you stepped up in training with the first team, that he would give you an opportunity? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, when I when I became an apprentice, John Hollins was manager and Bobby was a coach. Eventually came in as a coach and then took over, but I always got on well with Bob. He always, he always, he always rated me as a player, which, which obviously helps. He wanted to get the youth. He wanted to promote the youth, but you know, he always said, "I'm, I'm not going to play you if I don't think you're good enough." Not just because we want to get kids through and oh, look at Chelsea—they've got six, seven, eight players in the first team. Off, you've got to be good enough. And he always said that to us: if you're good enough and you perform, you know. And and I, I remember about six or seven games into the the season when like my first year as a professional. Pre-season, I'd, I'd been on fire and scored lots of goals. I'd been playing midfield in friendly. I know it's friendlies and pre-season, but I felt really good. And then first game of the season, I wasn't involved. And then two or three games in, I was on the bench, didn't get on. And it took to about the seventh game when I when I actually made my debut coming on as a sub. And uh, we were losing one nil, and I scored. And then I got brought down for a penalty, which, and then we won 2-1. And then I got in the team, but... He was great for me. I mean, he would put you in. Gareth Hall was another one who was a year older than me, who got in previously. And then we had Cundy, we had Graham Stewart, a year younger, Damien Matthew came through, Craig Burley came through, Frank Sinclair, Eddie Newton, Andy Myers, Graham Lasseau came over at a young age and came through. So he played, he played a lot of them, you know. He, but I think the most important thing is that he believed we were good enough. And if he didn't think we were good enough, he wouldn't have played us. You know, Bob, bless him now, you know, he, he passed away a few years ago, was a lot of people, not a bully, that's the wrong word, but he was he was quite aggressive in his manner, but I think he was doing it for the right reasons. You know, at times he, he would have a go at you and some people he wouldn't have a go at, it sort of, you know, because he felt that wasn't the way to get the best out of them. But he was, he was you know, I've sort of got on better with him when I finished playing. I think sometimes you do that with managers than actually when I was playing which makes it a little bit easier because there's nothing worse than, you know, there's a few managers you won't get on with and there's a few that I played under, not at Chelsea, that I didn't get on with. But Bob was, you know, he had, he had his heart in the right place and if he could help you, he would. And in terms of your debut, you mentioned it, um, a goal and being brought down for the penalty against Leicester City. When when you look back, would you say, in, in many cases, that's, I suppose, the dream debut? I mean, talk about making an yeah. impact. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of pundits, people like yourself doing these kind of podcasts, always ask the question, your favourite game, you know, your best game. In. And I think most people relate to their debut, you know, whether it be good, bad or indifferent. And and obviously mine was, you know, I like I said, I was hoping to play earlier. I didn't, it's frustrated. But as a kid, you just want to play, which, you know, every, every kid will make your debut. But I was lucky, you know, he brought me on, as I say, I, I scored not long after coming on. And then like the 90th minute, I was I was through and got hauled back and and, uh, and Graham Roberts stepped up and scored the penny and we won. And uh, yeah, they're just, you know, everything that you've strived from the age of seven that I can remember playing my first school game or, or club game, 
to, to that day is something that you strive to do, to make your debut for the club where you were at and, and you just hope it all goes well. You know, I mean, obviously I know people who've had debuts have had, you know, horrendous games and, and, and obviously there's people who've had great games. So I would just say that it's the most important game to start with because it's the first and, you know, you've got to make an impression, good, bad or indifferent. And for, thankfully for me, you know, I made the right impression. One of the other aspects of your career that interests me, um, during your time at Chelsea, you had uh, a few loan spells, Reading, Plymouth, yeah. Portsmouth, um, Sheffield United as well. What's it like yeah. as a player when you go out and loan? I mean, when you're at Chelsea, you know you're there permanently, you've got a contract for a few years, but when you go on loan, you know it's temporary. Does that change your mindset at all in, in regards to how you, you settle in at the club? I think so. I think it depends where you go. I mean, and if you know the managers and how they treat you. And I think positional wise as well, I went some, some games I play midfield, some games I play at the back. I think if you're a striker and you go on loan, you're kind of going to be a little bit greedier. You play for yourself a little bit more because you're there to score goals. And when you play as a defender or midfielder, it's a little bit harder at times because I think people view you as like, well, if you're playing centre half and we lose, are you bothered? Because it's not really your club. But I was, you know, I cared every game I played and, you know, I had some good loans. I went to Reading and, and um, Mark McGee was manager with Colin Lee and I knew Colin because he was youth team manager at Chelsea when I was there for a while. And, you know, I went there, I played five games and I scored five goals. And I'm like, you know, I loved it. And I wanted to stay and whatever reason it didn't happen, I went back. I went to Sheffield United under Nigel Spatman who took me there. I was coming back from injury and I probably wasn't as match fierce and as sharp as I would like to have been. But then I had to sort of, you know, come back. Plymouth, I went down there and because I wasn't playing in the Chelsea first team and wanted to go on loan. Again, I loved it. Peter Shilton took me down there and played a lot of games for him and, you know, and loved it. And then Portsmouth, Jim Smith, who was an amazing character, someone who, proper football man, and learned a hell of a lot of him in, in a small space of time. Again, Leonard asked me to go there just for match sharpness, which, which is why I went. And, and so... It, it can be difficult, but it depends how you embrace it as a player. Sometimes if you go there and think, oh, you know, a bit bit peeved at being sent on loan, do you go there and say, do you know what? I'm just going to go there. I'm going to do everything to the best of my ability and just get on with it. Or do you go and sulk? And you look a bit bad then sometimes if you sulk or you're playing poorly because people, everyone's watching you, you know, the clubs are watching you and that. So you just have to go in. I didn't mind going on loan at all. Some players flatly refuse to go on loan. And, I sort of embraced it and just went there and, and sort of kind of used it as if I was still at Chelsea in a way, you know, training well and, and doing all that. One of the managers I've got to ask you about is, is Glenn Hoddle. When I've listened to yeah. previous interviews that you've given, you, you've always talked very highly of Glenn and even said that he shaped you as a player. What was he like for Chelsea? Because crucially, he was still playing as well. Uh, he was, it was my, I mean, a lot of people didn't know this till later on when I was at Chelsea, but I was a top, I was a closet Tottenham fan as a kid only because of Glenn. You know, I grew up watching that great. And funny enough, I bumped into Steve Perryman last, last Sunday. And we were talking about Glenn and, you know, when he was, when Glenn played, you know, at Tottenham and when I played with Glenn and, and things, but he was my hero growing up. He was the one I wanted to be in the playground in that. And he probably didn't take too kindly to that because he probably felt that he was getting old when he came back. He knew what I felt about him. And when he came, he, he made me look at football differently. Um, the way he sort of brought 
all his experience in 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 coaching uh training and then he changed sort of the eating habits of people and, and the injury side of it and all that but as a footballer he was two three four five steps ahead of anyone he was just the football brain worked over time you know he gets a lot of criticism for his man management skills and he gets a lot of you know people think back to the england job and why he left because of you know, different issues or whatever he is alleged to have said and things like that. But as a football person, you know, and talking football with him, he was just great. I had a problem at first with him because he was playing in the role I wanted to play and he's player manager and, you know, at the end of the day, there's only one winner. And we kind of, it was quite, we had a little bit of a sort of turbulent spell where I got sent off and um, he kind of said to me in the dressing room, you know, I don't want you to talk to the press, I'll deal with it. And then, he kind of didn't have a pop of it. Well, it was it was a little bit of a kind of he shouldn't have got sent off. Whereas he kind of protected me. And I know he, you know, say what he thinks is his opinion. And and then he, you know, I couldn't get back in the side. Then after I was available after suspension, and we had a little bit of a. But overall, I had a lot of respect for him. And you know, I would say he definitely proved me as a player, uh, as a person as well. You know, some of the things he would he would talk to you about. And I just felt it's been a crying shame the last 10 years that he hasn't been involved with football rather than being a pundit because he's got so much to offer, so much to give. And, you know, a, a, a sort of a young manager maybe would, would you know, probably do well to call on Glenn and, and ask him for help, advice and things like that, which I think he would he would willingly give. But he's probably settled in his punditry role now. But, yeah, he was he, he shaped me as, you know, in the role I played because... No one had played sweeper role in, in this country until he, they had, but not like as predominantly as we played it and the system we played. And it, it, it was, it was different, but I enjoyed it. It was a position I felt was tailor-made to my, my game. And I remember one game we played together, me and him, as we played in the back four, me and him played centre-back against QPR. And he wasn't blessed with pace. I wasn't blessed with pace. They got Les Ferdinand up front and I'm thinking, if we don't drop off early, we're getting, and do you know what? He talked me through the whole game. And he's, he, like I say, he was two, three, four, five steps ahead of anyone. As soon as the ball came to him, he knew what he was going to do with it. When when the ball was in, a, in and around, he knew where to be. And, it, and we won 2 0. And it was just like, it was a joy to play with him, as I did play with him on many occasions. But even in training, he was the best player still at 38 or whatever he was. He was, he was just an exceptional player. Obviously, under Glenn, as you say, <clears throat> pardon me, you really enjoyed your time and, and, and it was positive. One of the, yeah. the more challenging times for you in that period was not playing in the 94 Cup final. How disappointing was that for you personally? Of course, it's, it's something that, you know, every kid dreams of playing in a Cup final. And like I say, we, you know, we had a, a little spell where we probably didn't see eye to eye. Um, I probably could have done better in, in my attitude at times where, you know, probably could have trained better and, and probably thought, you know, I'll show him. But sometimes you just feel a little bit down as a player and feel that everything's against you. And you, you don't always, you know, when you as you get older, you, you obviously understand these things. But when you're young and, you know, you think you know it all. Um, but yeah, it was it was bitterly disappointing. I mean, I went to the game, obviously, but you just don't feel part of it when you, when you're not involved. Uh, it was hard to accept, you know. It was my club as such, and it was it was hard. It was it was tough. But then, sort of, you know, Glenn just drew a blank, you know, in blank 
blank sheet of paper then and then I got back in. So it, it wasn't like, you know, that was it. It was kind of, at the time, I wasn't involved. Okay, get on with it, deal with it, and then sort of show him what you think. As well as Glenn, there's there, there's been more big names that, that managed Chelsea and even played. I mean, yeah. you think of Rude Hulett, you think of Luca Vialli. I mean, what were, what were those two guys like? Rude especially, because when I spoke to Craig Burley, it's safe to say his opinions were, were mixed. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have mixed, but as, firstly, as a player, Rude, I played with Rude as a player. And again, <laughs> the season that Rude came, he started on the in the role that I wanted to play him. So I was on the bench and then Glenn decided that Rude would be more beneficial to the team if he played further forward. Then I came in. So playing with him, first of all, was an absolute joy. You know, the man was, again, he was incredible. He's this guy that, as a, as a, a a lad growing up would see. I remember '88 when they when they won the Euros. You know, I was I was 18 at the time, so I'm sort of just coming into the game, and he's this established world superstar. And then when we got told he was coming, you're like, wow! And he came, and he was great. You know, he, he I got on great with Rude as a as a teammate. Um, the reason Burley probably had mixed opinions about him is because. Burley threw a pint of Guinness over someone on the bus, and I think Rude didn't didn't take too kindly to that. <laughs> See, he missed that. But <laughs> when we went to Cheltenham, yeah, when we went to Cheltenham, that was a, that was another story. But I think there was a there was an incident where a pint of Guinness got thrown in, and Rude vowed never to come away with the lads again. But no, he was he was great, and then obviously um, he played, and then when Glenn got the England job, and and Rude, we you know the crowd was sort of basically saying you know give it to Rude, and I think was the right person at the right time. He found it hard to adapt at first where, you know, he's playing cards with the lads on the way to games and then lads he's playing cards with, he's leaving out and, you know, he, he did, but he didn't think, he didn't think he was doing anything wrong and he, he wasn't in a way. He was just, you know, he was a lovely bloke and, and then he, he took over and didn't really change a lot as in the way we were going to play and, and all the things at the training ground and things like that. And, he brought in uh, Frank the Buff, and then it was like oh, I played. You know, I played most of the games that season before, and played really well, and was probably at the best season of my career up to date. And then he kind of left me out a few games, and then I came in, and I left out, and then I could have left. Uh, I went in. I went in to see him on the. I think it was. It was the Wednesday that. Oh, no, was it the one? No, it was the Thursday where Matthew Harden had passed away on the Tuesday night, and he caught, we were supposed to have a game. I, I, we went to Bolton on the Tuesday night where unfortunately Matthew Matthew got killed, and I was on the bench I think for the League Cup tie. I think I think it was a cup game, and then I came in on. We were supposed to play friendly on the Wednesday for the ones who didn't play, and then it got cancelled because of Matthew. And I came in on the Thursday, and he called me in his office. He said, Look, he said I've had a bid from someone. Um, he said, they've offered X, but we want a little bit more. Uh, what do you think? And I said, oh, and I just signed a new three-year contract. And I said, oh, I need time to think. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, you know, do you want me to go? Do you, are you going to play me? I know you've sang Frank the Buff, blah, blah, blah. So he said, look, he said, it's up to you. He said, I don't want to lose you. He said, I can't guarantee I'm going to play you. I can't guarantee I won't play, which I understood. So I said, look, I'll have a chat with my family and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you. So that was on the Thursday. So then I went in on the Friday for training. And um, before training, he pulled me in again. He said, well, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, look, Rude, I said, 
obviously we've got Tottenham tomorrow. What's gone on is very emotional at the moment with, with Matthew. It's a little bit wrong time. I said, I'll have a think about it over the weekend and then I'll come and see you Monday if that's all right. And he said, yeah. He said, the club of the club that you've offered a little bit more, so we're kind of close. I said, okay. And as I walked out the door, he went, wait. I went, what? He went, you're playing tomorrow. And I went, okay. So that was, that was against Tottenham. So I left. You know, thinking, do I really want to leave? You know, I'm playing and just on a new deal, bought a new house. I was happy. And then, unfortunately, I broke my leg the next day at Tottenham. So it kind of huge, huge mixed emotions. You know, looking back now, you think, well, if I'd have left, I wouldn't have broke my leg. But you can't think about that in football. It's just it's the here and now that you've got to worry about. And I didn't really want to leave, if I'm honest. Um, I'm not going to tell you who the club were, or but the manager who of the club I would have liked to have played under him but I decided you know I didn't and then obviously I didn't get the opportunity once once I broke my leg the next day but Rude was you know Rude was um, a top fella as in you know a person when I on the Saturday he came to see me or a Sunday in hospital you know to make sure I was all right so you know when you when you sort of talk in them terms I couldn't fault the guy at all you know Football, he was a little bit naive in the way he went about it first, but then everyone is. And, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit here and rubbish him. I, I, you know, I thought he was great. He was good to me, even even when I was injured and, and things like that. He was always good to me. And in terms of the the leg break, I mean, people will always ask you about the physical pain and how you recover physically. But crucially, how tough was that mentally for you, considering everything that was going on already? Well, it was tough because I was one of these people, even from the age of, I don't know, seven when I started playing. I broke my arm in the, when I was in a youth team, I broke my arm, was out for about three weeks because I could play with a calf. But you know what? I've never, I've never had a groin, calf, hamstring. I've never had an injury. I'd had a couple of stitches, I missed a couple of days training through stitches in my foot and stitches in your head and things like that. I've never been injured, so to go so sort of nine years as a as a pro or whatever I was up until then to get a broken leg was quite tough. Mentally, very you know, I mean, Burley was out with a long term, so I, Dimitri Curry, Michael Dubry, so I had people around me. I wish I didn't because I wish they weren't injured, but I had people around me who were good. Terry Byrne, the, the ex masseur who was at, at Chelsea, went on to England and became David Beckham's agent. He was he was good for me. Um, he always knew when to pick me up, when to sort of realise I needed just, you know, leaving alone or whatever, uh, but always, always be there for me. So I had good people around me, but it was tough. It was, you know, and it took me a long time to recover. I didn't think I played until the following November. So it was about 13 months out. Uh, and then I was never the same when I came back. It was just a completely different player. You know, it just, it took a toll to be fair. And, kind of if you well after there kind of went downhill for me as a, as a sort of career really but I, and I was just playing the best sort of football of my career that day not that day that 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 period and, and you know all of a sudden bang you know I was lucky that it didn't happen it could have happened when I was 18 it could have happened when I was 19 it didn't you know I managed to play a lot of games you know without injury before that and you, you mentioned how things change for you afterwards when, when you leave Chelsea, you play for, for Bristol yeah. Rovers, a few other English yeah. clubs before making yeah. the move to, to Australia. What was the move to Australia like? Was it a case of everything you had been through, played for different clubs in England after Chelsea, that you just wanted a fresh start somewhere else? 
Yeah, I got a bit frustrated. I, I played, Noel Blake ran me at Exeter and asked me to come and play a few games for him. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to Australia, but, you know, I'll, I'll come and play. And <laughs> got sent off on the debut against York away and kind of, without being disrespectful, the lower you go. When I'm used to playing against top players and playing with top, it's, it's the old saying, the higher you go, the easier it is. And I think when you've played at the top level and you come down to a lower level, they expect you to be the best player on the party, expect to score a trick every week or make sure there's a clean sheet. It doesn't work like that. And I got a little bit frustrated, I think, you know, playing. Not with, it's bit, I'm not being disrespectful when I, play, when I say I'm playing with lesser players, but yeah, I am playing with lesser players. And, and, you know, considering where I'd been and who I'd played with, when you got the ball, you'd have two, three, four choices. Whereas when you go down the leagues, you've not got that kind of choice in, yeah, they're all, you know, they're all good players in their own right. But I, I did find it a little bit hard and I found it frustrating at times. And Dave Mitchell, my old teammate, um, was looking for players to go and play in Australia. And I just thought, you know what, fresh start, you know, I'll, I'll go out there. And um, I decided to go. What was it like? Um, not, not just from a football point of view, but from a lifestyle point of view over in Australia. Fantastic. Um, I was fortunate when I went out there, I was at the same time as little Joe Miller, ex-Celtic. Me and Joe played for the same team. Joe's oh, top class, absolute great bloke. And he had a mate from when he was growing up in Glasgow who'd been out there 11 years previous to us going. So we got sorted, we got settled in, we got you know anything we needed. Matt, his mate, was just on hand. They treated us like God out there. You know, the people... It's a big myth that the Australians don't like the English. Absolute no, you know, they, they love it. You know, they love the football. And, and the lifestyle for me was, it was part of it. You know, I wasn't married, I didn't have kids at the time. You know, I was a single guy. So it was great. And Joe had recently got divorced. So kind of, I think that was one of the reasons he went out there just to get away from everything and, and whatever. But, you know, the sort of my typical day was we'd leave it. We'd leave home. We lived around the corner. I lived with Joe for a while and until I got my own place. We we lived by the beach, two minutes from the beach. We would leave our places at half six on the morning, get up to the training ground. We'd start training at half seven. We'd finish about nine, nine thirty. We'd have a bit of, they do a barbecue breakfast or something and then go home and have a couple of hours kip and then we'd go down the beach for a couple of hours and then go out for dinner in the evening. It was, the lifestyle was just, it was fantastic. And, you know, I, I was there for two years and I'd go back tomorrow to Sydney. I know it's a long way from family and I've got older parents and things like that, but I would, I'd go back there tomorrow. I mean, I've been back since I went back for an Ashes tour. The cricket, Alex Stewart, a friend of mine, was playing in the, in the Ashes tour and went out there for about eight weeks and, and sort of followed the cricket, which which I loved. And, you know, I'm going to take my, my daughter's 15, coming up 15, so when she's a little bit older, I'm going to take her out with the family to, uh, you know, to show her it, and, you know, because I think, you know, she'll love it. And it'd be nice. I've still got friends out there or I still speak to and, and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know if you had the opportunity, but it, Sydney is wonderful. It really is. I've actually got family who live there, but I've not right. had the chance to visit th visit them yet. But I think I think you've convinced you should. me. You should. It really is. A, it blow you away. It's a fantastic place and the people are brilliant. Following Australia, you returned to England. You you have a few spells in non-league football. What what was it like for you at that stage of your career when you're playing in non-league? Because you mentioned the fact that at Exeter you could maybe 
get a wee bit frustrated naturally considering you were playing with Hula and Hoddle to, to, to no, yeah. no disrespect players that are down the league. So was non-league even more frustrating or had your mindset changed to just try and enjoy the last few years at that point? Yeah, I think your mindset changed. I came back and fortunately uh, I, I went to Forest Green who were only trained two nights a week. Um, Nigel Spink and uh, Paul Birch who uh, sadly passed away a few years ago were, were there, you know, ex-Villa lads and Virtually play for Wolves as well. So, first and foremost, you had good football people there. But I was fortunate that Gary Johnson was manager at Yeovil at the time. And I live about 40 minutes from Yeovil. And Gary said that I could train with them during the during the week because they were full-time in training. So, I used to go and train with them. And obviously, when we played them that week, I couldn't train because, obviously, you know, I understood that. But Gary was great to me. Uh, someone who I met through someone else. And kind of I knew who Gary was and he let me train and, and then I'd train two nights a week with Forest Green play. But yeah, I enjoyed it. We had a few Mark Cooper was there, ex pros. Um there was a few good lads at, at um Forest Green. And I just I did, I just enjoyed it. And then I left there after a season and then I played sort of for Western in the in the conference south now as it is, I think. Um I could have joined Bath City, I didn't, and I went to Western with a guy called Frank Gregan, who we had Stuart Slater playing with us, um, Stuart Jones, ex Reading. We had a couple of lads who played at Exeter and Plymouth because of you know the uh, the geographics of it, you know where they were living in and where Western took. But I got I got stalled. not my love back for the game, but I did enjoy it. And and Western, we won the league the first year, but then they got we got promoted into the league where there was a lot of travelling and I decided I didn't want to do the travelling. So I then played the local football again for another year, which then I then the minute I stopped enjoying that, I stopped. I went back to Western with Frank Gregan and became uh, his assistant manager stroke coach. And that's how I got done my B licence and that's how I kind of got into back, you know, back into football. Um, I went, I was doing that, and then the call came from Dennis. It just got the Dennis Wise, he got the Swindon job, and he rang me up out of the blue and said, um, "Ian Wone's leaving. Do you fancy the the youth team job?" And you know, I didn't even speak to him about money. I just said, "Yeah, no problem. Uh, that's it." And I was on the ladder then, to sort of back into into football, which is quite tough because. Obviously, when you're a player, there's 92 clubs times 30, 40 professionals. But when you're you're looking for a coaching role, there's only 92 times one or two jobs going. So it's quite tough. And um, I was fortunate that, you know, ever since then, I've always been involved in football at, at some level, which, you know, I, I'm lucky. But a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And... Uh, they won't get the opportunity because of the few jobs. So I am quite lucky, but I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed playing a couple of years and then I stopped playing. And then all of a sudden played on a Sunday morning with lads I went to school with. We got to the final of the National Cup at Anfield. So you got like lads I went to school with and grew up with who were now playing at Anfield, which, you know, obviously I've played there many times, but for them it was great. And that's what I enjoyed. And Sunday morning, yeah, it was Sunday morning football, but, you know, I enjoyed that for a couple of years at the end of my sort of, playing days when you look at your career from Chelsea Australia the different levels we've talked about the coaching the scouting overall how do you look back on your career obviously that the injury was a bitter blow considering how well you were doing but <clears throat> still an incredible career and incredible memories memories I think that you look back on you know 
Uh, I just, it, it's one of these questions you get asked all the time. You know, I've done what every schoolboy wants to do. You know, I've played professional football at the top level, you know, played in the Premier League, played for my country at various age groups. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, obviously, you, it doesn't matter. Even if you're Ronaldo, you, you want to do better. You know, if you don't, you're in the wrong game. If you don't want to better what you've done, you shouldn't be doing it. So I would, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, I would change certain little things. Um, but I wouldn't change it, if you know, if you understand where I'm coming from. It's hard to say certain things, but I wouldn't change it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I might have made a different decision. I might have decided shouldn't have gone out on a Thursday night. You know, I might have decided, you know, should have should have worked a bit harder, but I, I wouldn't have kind of changed it. Um, there's little things that you look back and you think, should I have gone there? You know, I don't. But then there's other there's other uh, opportunities where you don't know about. Now, I went the year. What year was it? I think I think it was the year I was injured. Yeah, I went. They, so because of obviously pre-season, you don't get a break when you're injured. You, you get a week and then, you know, because you need to get yourself fit and blah, blah. And I remember the, the, the pre-season that I probably would have started. I didn't start it, but I knew I was going to join the first team at some point through that. So they sent me to so go away for a week on holiday. So I went away. I went to Portugal and I bumped into Harold Wilkinson. And I didn't know Harold, but obviously, you know, we knew, I knew of him in, played against his Leeds, Leeds teams and he knew me and he, he he spoke to me by the pool one day and he, and he said how you doing I said yeah I'm just you know not far away from full-time training but he said look I wish you well I hope it goes all right he said by the way he said do you fancy a game of golf so I was thinking you know Harold Wilson on telly he's got this kind of personality where you think oh you know do you really want to spend four hours on the golf course you know a bit like Burley when he's on telly he comes across a bit dour but underneath when you know him he's great and I said, oh, yeah. He said, right, don't worry. He said, I've sorted everything out. Meet me tomorrow in reception at seven o'clock. He said, and Nigel Spatman's playing as well. So, okay, okay, great. So we, we had a game of golf, the three of us. Uh, we just, you can imagine, we just spoke football all, all the way and, and it was great. And then, and then when we finished, Howard said to me, he said, fancy a couple of beers? I said, yeah. I said, I'm not in, I'm not in a rush to do anything. So Nigel left, so it was just me and Howard. We had a couple of beers and he said to me, so I tried to buy you a couple of years ago. I said, really? I said, I never knew. He said, no. He said, I rang the club, asked, made an offer. And he said, it just got completely binned. So you don't know, you know, nowadays you probably do because agents know everything before you do. But there's little things like that. And so I don't know what other clubs maybe have come in. And not, I'm not only person, you know, there could be thousands of players out there that would have not known it. players making bids. Obviously, they only sell you if they want to sell you, you know, if they want the money. But. It was, it was interesting hearing that, you know, Howard wanted to buy me and you know, I never knew anything about it. So little things like that, you you think, well, if only, but then I never really wanted to leave Chelsea. I had a couple of times when I was out of contract playing every week and kind of had a dispute. And, you know, I just felt that I'm worth more than that. And in the end, every time I kind of went to them, you know, Mr. Bates, for me, always delivered. You know, he always gave me in the end what I wanted which I felt was what I was worth, not what they thought I was worth. Because I think sometimes, well, when you come through the ranks, you know, you, you don't get as much at times as the people they bring in, but you're just as important. If you see what I mean, you know, you're just as important as a player if you're on the first team 
uh, it's a bit different nowadays because it doesn't matter. They, they just earn, you know, you probably don't even know what they earn at times. But back then it was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to fight for my, you know, I'm going to believe in my own ability. I remember one year I was out of contract and I played every game and I was, you know, most games I was getting man of match and there was reports in the paper about me and, and they were still saying, no, this is the most we're going to offer you. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll take my chance. And in the end, I got it sorted. I took a chance because if I'd have got injured without a contract, Fortunately, when I broke my leg, I just signed a new three-year deal. So I had a little bit of security. But back then, there was no Bosman at first. Um, so I took a chance a couple of times and um, I made the right decision. And you could say, like, what, you know, I didn't, I didn't ever want to leave Chelsea. You know, I never did. You know, I loved from day one to, to the day I left. It's been fascinating, David. Thank you so much for your time. And no as problem. I say, I hope you're back in football very, very soon. I'm sure I will somewhere, yeah. Thanks very much for your time. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song